welcome to Thick and Fabulous with Chantella Whitfield on Radio Lex WLXU 93.9 FM. Um, today, we will be talking about addiction. So I must say, this show will contain content that is intended for the mature adult. This show is not a substitute for getting professional help. Please note, as this show may contain information about self-help, advice, self-empowerment, mental and physical health, please seek help from your professional license uh person. And today I am joined none other than Miss Joanne Goods. How are you, Miss Joanne? I am wonderful, Chantel, and I want to thank you for inviting me um, on this segment. Yes, I thank you for taking the time out to come and join us. So I like to start the show by letting you introduce yourself because no one knows you better than you. So tell all our listeners um, who Miss Joanne Goods is. Oh, wow. Um, I am Joanne Goods. I am a woman in long-term recovery. <laughs> I am also a uh, Kentucky Board Certified Alcohol and Drug Counselor. All right. Um, uh, so many adjectives come to mind when it when you ask that question. Uh, I am a woman that is passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, I know this segment is about addiction, but but my passion lies in the uh, recovery piece. Yes. Which. That's a big part, though. That is where we're hoping that we get to yes. when we talk about uh, the subject that has seemed to have plagued not only uh, Lexington, surrounding areas, uh, in our homes and in our families. So many questions come about when we try to figure out what's going on with our family members, mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. ourselves. And so um, I need to say, and I, and I need to make this very clear, that some of, some of the things that we talk about today are my opinion. Yes. Some of the things we talk about today are from my personal walk. Okay. And uh, some of the things that we discuss today are from my professional uh, 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 standpoint. And I, I am, it. I am not, I am not the addiction guru. <laughs> I am not the know-all, be-all. But I do have information that I think... Uh, not only through my personal walk, uh, but also through my professional stance on uh, the disease of addiction. Yes, and All that's right. that's why I wanted to talk to you. So we're going to start off, you know, I like to start sometimes um, with numbers because numbers don't lie. Okay. You know, so I'm going to start off with the definition of addiction. The definition of addiction. Um, it is the fact of... Uh, or condition of being addicted to a particular substance, thing, or activity. Mm-hmm. It is a biopsychosocial disorder characterized by compulsive engagement in rewarding stimuli mm-hmm. despite adverse consequences. Um, so let's tell everybody um, what was your. What was your vice, I guess? What was your what was your use drug of use? My drug of abuse mm-hmm. uh, was crack cocaine. Oh, okay. crack cocaine and alcohol. Um, and and so the Webster definition that you just read, I'm like, wow, this is so scientific. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I I, I want to give the 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 listeners uh, just a simple definition. It mm-hmm. is compulsion and obsession. Mm. It is. A brain disease, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of times the stigma of being an addict, I believe that through through um, information, through it's, it's kind of popular to be uh, in recovery mm-hmm. because now that it is in the forefront and, and, it's, and it's talked about, you know, it's that it's that family member that everybody wants to make excuses for. Yeah. The compulsion and the obsession. Mm-hmm. When I get locked and loaded on a fixed idea, today for me, it can be those shoes at DSW. <laughs> I got to have them. Okay? Yeah. And so those are things that we have to be mindful of. I have to be mindful of because any, simply put, I like it. Mm-hmm. I want more of it. Mm-hmm. When the consequences outweigh the benefits, being an addict, mm-hmm. I don't have the turnoff button. Mm. I'm not able to say, okay, this is enough. I think I'll stop. Mm-hmm. 
I do believe that some individuals are predisposed to uh, addiction based off of her, uh, heritage. Mm -hmm. uh, we look at our Native American partners, and, and, and it goes down in history, and I could talk about this uh, uh, for, for probably days. Uh -huh. We have different opinions that we have the scientific approach, we have the medical approach, we have the just, you know, I started out doing a substance, I like it, it has become a way of life for me. Right. I don't have a problem. Society has a problem. Mm -hmm. And that was me for so long because I hid it well. I hid it well. One of the things that I could not be an addict because, I mean, I'm holding on to a home and, and my family's intact. Right. And I think that when we get a little bit into the story mm -hmm. of what happened to me, because that's the only story I have to tell. And so by, by being able to take it from that approach, mm -hmm. what happened to me? And I think a lot of times when we get to the other side of this, I will live with the disease of addiction for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. I can put it in, I can, I can put it in terms of you, Chantella. So the doctor tells you that you have a, a shellfish allergy. Mm -hmm. You don't go to Red Lobster. Right, right. Because you're going to have an adverse effect. So that's the adverse a negative consequence that, mm -hmm. that Webster talks about. Right, exactly. Something's going to happen, happen if you do this. If you do this. Mm -hmm. and, and I could not figure out how I could stop this thing, even though I was slowly losing the connection with my family, mm. even though I was slowly uh, uh, losing, stop doing the things that I participated in that I loved, like, my craft, mm -hmm. you know, those things were less important. As the disease progressed in my life, I, I could not see because, see, I suffer from a disease that tells me that I'm okay. Right, right. You know, and a lot of times I looked at the stopping. Oh, I can stop anytime. In your mind, you could. In my mind, I could, and I could. Right, right. When the money ran out, when the consequences got too great, mm -hmm. but I never looked at why I went back to that. So can we can we dabble in what um because I'm I'm gonna get all up in your business and I hope you're okay. With I, that. I am an open book. I am an open so book. So what you you mentioned this earlier. Um, what what caused you to start using? What what was that backstory that made you say peer pressure? Oh really? So how old were you when you started? Well, at the age of fifteen, ex you know, at the age of fifteen, mm -hmm. um, you know, wanting to fit in with the in crowd, mm -hmm. um, I started smoking and experimenting with marijuana. Mm -hmm. uh, the teen thing to do, right? And I was a great student in high school. I need to say that I come from a two-parent home. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. My parents were business owners, so the disease of addiction has no respecter of person. Right. Exactly. And, and so. When I experimented with marijuana and occasional slipping and drinking with my friends, mm -hmm. it, it never was a problem. I thought it was like, that's what everybody's doing. Right, right. And so now that I have uh, committed to the work and unraveling the story, mm -hmm. it was because I was not comfortable in my own skin. Wow. So I needed to find something. To connect with other to people. To connect with others. Girl, listen. <laughs> so at 15, uh, you know, just experimenting with marijuana and it never was a problem because I was a great, I was a good student. I'm mm -hmm. not going to say great. I was a good student. I uh, graduated high school. I, um, I've always been into my creative uh, 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 gene. I come from a family of seamstress. And so I grew up in the hair industry. Mm -hmm. I grew up in the barber and beauty shop. I was a little girl that had to sweep the hair. So I grew up <laughs> with work ethics mm -hmm. and, and morals and values. And I grew up with knowing right from wrong. Mm -hmm. I grew up knowing uh, uh, how to sit, how to stand, how to be, how to conduct myself. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that I, I, I think that a lot of times we miss is um, what our teens are experiencing. Oh, yeah. Because at that time, this is when I started developing emotional mm -hmm. uh, imbalance. Yes. And, and Your hormones are changing. My hormones are <laughs> kicking in. And so I wanted to fit in. Uh, I, can, I can progress this story. Mm-hmm. 
to I met my husband. I'm from a rural community called Hopkinsville. Shout out Hopkinsville, okay. Hop Town, uh, which is a military mm-hmm. town right at Fort Campbell. And so I met uh, met my husband. Uh, to be, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I had a great life. So my father walked me down the aisle and handed me over to a, a gentleman. So I've had a great life, Chantella. Mm-hmm. I cannot I cannot make any excuses for anything that happened in my life. It's just life. I um, got married at 18 and moved to Florence, South Carolina. I was I became a military wife. Oh. Uh, bought my first home at 18. Still kind of dabbling and experimenting recreationally mm-hmm. with marijuana. Uh, and this was in the 80s. I'm going to tell my age. Okay. Uh, in the 80s when the cocaine uh, epidemic was on the rise. Mm-hmm. Um, had my first child. Uh, life was great. Mm-hmm. Life was great. After I um, gave birth to my son, uh, you know, partying. Mm-hmm. The partying became a little bit more inside the home, and I can't, you know, God rest his soul. You know, he was older. Uh-huh. Uh, I had a great experience growing up and even in my marriage. Uh, moved to Nashville, Tennessee, and I'm telling this story to get a better understanding of how trauma yeah. has a direct Definitely. effect Definitely. on the things that we choose to cope Yes, and everybody has, when they hit that trauma, people don't understand. Everybody doesn't just use drugs or alcohol. Sometimes it's food. Sometimes it's sex. Sometimes it can be whatever vice that they need to release that makes them feel good. The obsession and the compulsion. Yes. And if I try it one time, Mm -hmm. and this is the solution. Yep. There it is. I want more of it. Yep. So so fast forward, I moved to, uh, my husband uh, was placed on recruiting duty. We moved to Nashville. I had mm-hmm. a two-year-old son, Justin. And, you know, my family was not perfect. Mm-hmm. We were having issues. But one of the things that turned my life really upside down, mm-hmm. uh, on May the 27th of 1987, I received uh, uh, the... Worst news that any young bride could receive. My husband had been killed in a car accident oh. in Nashville, Tennessee. And being a military ro- wife, um, the news was delivered to me. Uh, and from that point on, mm-hmm. from that point on, I truly believe that trauma hit. Mm-hmm. I found the solution. Mm-hmm. Drug dealer came by and said, this will ease your pain. Mm. My mind registered because you have to remember that addiction is a brain disease. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I did not get the correlation between why my life turned out like this until I unraveled the story. Mm-hmm. And so what happened, uh, I found my solution. Right. I found my solution through drugs, through mm-hmm. alcohol, through I did not want to feel. And any time that I want to escape reality, mm-hmm. that's what drugs are designed to do. And when I found the solution, it sent me on a downward spiral Mm -hmm. that I was not prepared for. So did your, um, we got a few minutes left. Did your, did your son know? My son was two at the time. I held it together. No, no. I held this thing together for a very long time. Uh, you know, functioning, a young lady was out in the, um, in the waiting room, and we were talking about, she's, I have a friend, what do I do? And I know that those are some of the questions. We all have a friend. Mm-hmm. We all have a family sure member. Do. Sure and do. we sometimes we look at the result of what has happened to this person's life, but we never take the time to look at how they got there. Yep. And so addiction, it, it is cunning, it is assiduous, it is baffling. Why can't I put this sandwich down when I know that I just ate? Why can't I stop these promiscuous behaviors, Mm -hmm. even though it is causing me marital problems? And I'm tapping in to anyone out there that may be dealing with something that they don't understand why they cannot just put it down. Now, some people, Mm -hmm. some people, we call them normies, (laughs) can experiment Mm -hmm. and go on about normal life. I myself am a woman that suffers from the disease of addiction mm-hmm. that I must treat on a daily basis. 
And not every and and that's another thing. It's um, not everybody sets sets out to be an addict. I it's never said like, mama you, when I grow up. Right. <laughs> I want to be an addict. It's like you try it and then stuff happens and then you mm-hmm. just you remember that feeling um, when you did it mm-hmm. and it was like I want some more of that. Like you said, it was like um, like in my healing process of of things in my life. Um, I remember drumming. I was drumming, West African drumming, and my and I zoned out. Mm-hmm. I zoned out. And when I came to, like, open my eyes, everybody's sitting there looking at me all crazy. And I was like, oh, I feel good. Oh. And she said, I want you to take that feeling mm-hmm. and bottle it mm-hmm. inside you so that when life gets hard again mm-hmm. and you— you pull you pull from that feeling exactly. instead of going and sitting down at a table and eating until you just feel horrible, but it feels good. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? You know that it makes that, a lot of sense. It, 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 makes, it does. And a lot of times we don't understand because yeah. because when we're in the middle of this thing, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and it, it had become a problem long before I was ready to admit it was a problem. Mm. It was a problem for everybody else. Yes. It was a problem for everybody else. And until in my innermost being, the consequences started to progress. Mm -hmm. I started to receive uh, uh, jail time. Mm -hmm. My first charge was a DUI in 1999. So if I really started this path of self-destruction in 1987, Mm. right, to 1999, you're talking about 12 years of getting down. Not having a problem. I became arrogant. I became uh, uh, so, so uh, egotistical. Mm. Uh, I became, I became this person that I did not recognize. Mm. You know, I I, I became this person that I did not recognize. And that's what it does to you. I I can. That's what it's designed to do. And so I have, I have the utmost respect for, uh, for the drug. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I have not had a drink or a drug. Uh, My last use was June the 28th of 2006. And for that day, I am truly grateful. Let me let me back up. My last use was June 27th Mm -hmm. of 2006. And so my clean date is -hmm. June 28th of 2006. And for that day, that is the day that I believe that I truly surrendered Mm -hmm. to a power greater than me. Mm. Well, listen, this is good. This is good. Um, So we're going to take a little break and give Let me first start off by saying this show will contain content that is intended for the mature adult. This show is not a substitute for getting professional help. Please note that this show may contain information about self-help, advice, self-empowerment, mental and physical health. Please seek help from your licensed, trained professional. And um, listen... We're talking about addiction. That's why I had to give you this disclaimer. Um, and we're joined by Lexington's hot town's <laughs> very own Miss Joanne Goods. How you doing? I am wonderful. I'm enjoying your story, <laughs> your journey, learning more about you because I think that you are a phenomenal woman. Um, if y'all don't know, Miss Joanne is also the owner of Jag Rags. Listen, if you ain't put yourself in one of them, y'all better get it together. <laughs> well, but thank she, you for the plug. Of course, <laughs> listen, listen, you doing great things. Cause, and these are things that people need to know that from, from the concrete came this beautiful rose. You know From what I'm saying? From the concrete, yes. Your and, journey, and, and, it can and, be done. And, and that's one of the things that I think that has sustained me is because I have gotten comfortable mm-hmm. being in my own skin. I can mm-hmm. only be my authentic self. That. And this has taken, uh, you're talking about a journey. Oh, it is. You're talking about mm-hmm. a journey of incarceration, mm-hmm. of domestic violence, of not only substance abuse, but the things that go along with it, that feeling of isolation and loneliness, Mm -hmm. that feeling of if I could just end my life today, Mm. if this one could just take me out, I would be okay. Mm -hmm. But there is a power Mm -hmm. that is that, 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 
And I'm not going to go to church with this but that, thing. You sure can. I'm not going to go to church with this thing. Because <laughs> listen, I think that's a part of healing. For, and, and it whatever is. spiritual journey that you decide that you want to take. And I need to it. say, I need to say that I grew up in organized religion. Mm-hmm, I need mm-hmm. to talk about this piece because yeah, in yeah. the African-American home, I think a lot of our Christianity uh, ideology mm-hmm. and ideas, mm-hmm. uh, some of the things that we, grandmama's God couldn't save me. Mm-hmm. I have now uh, realized the difference between religion and relation. Girl. One of the things that I have, this this journey that I have, have been on, and, I, and I'm just truly grateful that there's something, this power that had been instilled in me from birth mm-hmm. because we are all born with the center core. Yes. Uh, and whatever we choose to believe in mm-hmm. uh, as we mature, get older, you know, uh, trek off into life. And, you know, uh, recovery is so broad these days. Oh, yeah. There are so many approaches to recovery. Mm-hmm. You have your holistic approach. You have your medicated assistant treatment approach. Mm-hmm. You have your 12-step approach. Mm-hmm. So there's no there's no one way to get mm-hmm. to this place of recovery. Recovery is a lifelong process. And for me, I can only tell my story. Yeah, so I grew up in organized religion, mm-hmm. played piano for Sunday school. Mm-hmm. I knew about the thou shalt not. I knew about the, if I do this, I knew about law. Mm-hmm. What I did not understand was the relationship. That part. I was taught as a young girl, you know, my parents did their job and they did the best mm-hmm. that they knew how. When this when this thing took over in my life, mm-hmm. there was nothing no one could do. Yeah. I was on a path that that no one could stop me. Right. Because because what I need to 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 remind our audience and and to remind uh, myself sometimes that this is a personal journey. And when my pain got great enough, when I, uh, uh, the last incarceration, mm-hmm. you know, I always went to jail and I'm not going to make those promises. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I thought I had the power to stop this thing. Mm-hmm. I really believed that I could stop. I thought that the man could help me. I thought that if I moved to a different city, mm-hmm. it would change me. If I dressed different, if I walked different, if I talked different, I did not have the information that this was a spiritual disease in nature. I want to share this on the personal level. Um, I just found this out a couple of weeks ago. Um, many of you have probably seen my brother. He got rested. So um, Vincent, um, <laughs> over and save a lot. He was an alcoholic. And I found out that you were one of his um, counselors. was his caseworker. And I'm just like, oh my God. And and if you knew my brother then with this addiction to alcohol, when we were little, he was into, you know, uh, karate. He wouldn't mm-hmm. even take um, Tylenol mm-hmm. to, go, to watch my brother go from having a daggone eight pack Listen, cut up and to watch him to where he got to Mm -hmm. was the most. I don't I can't even I'm trying not to cry, Um, put into words how hard that was to watch Mm -hmm. and and know you can't do anything because he was okay with it. And I was I was Vincent. (sighs) I was Vincent. I, I went from. A young girl that uh, that parents raised her yes. and taught her, and in anyone in my city that knows the story, right? And so I had classmates at my twenty year reunion. I was so under the influence. So young lady Kim Blaine, I've got to shout out to her. She lives in for sales. She said, "I often wondered what happened to you." Yes. And you know, one of the things I had to ask myself: mm-hmm. What happened to you? I lost myself. I lost myself in this abyss of this 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 vortex of destruction. Mm-hmm. And so when I can't feel love because of the trauma, because of the disappointment, because of the guilt and shame, you pile all of that on. T- I gotta use now. 
I've got to have, I don't even know who I am. Right? Mm -hmm. And I became a person that I didn't recognize. I wanted to love my sons. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be a good mother. I wanted to be a productive member of society. Mm -hmm. But this thing that I suffer from, this, this disease that I suffer from without treatment, jails, institutions, and death were my only way out. Yeah. I had become comfortable with incarceration. So what made you decide, okay, I'm sick and tired, I want to get help? Well, I didn't decide <laughs> because left up to me, you I would have kept going. Today. The oh, consequences. Wow. Mm. The consequences started outweighing the pleasure. And so my first arrest was in 1999, a DUI, mm -hmm. then progressed to a felony charge oh. uh, in 2002. Uh, I was offered drug court, believe mm -hmm. it or not, in 2002, but I did not have information about the disease of addiction. I believe that I had a problem with a substance. Mm -hmm. And I believed in the, my whole heart, if I put this one substance down, that, that I'm going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Fast forward, this incarceration cycle that I played, mm -hmm. in and out, in and out, the, the stints of jail time kept, they became longer, mm -hmm. and my time out became shorter. So what, what happened to your kids, your sons? You have two I thank sons. God for family. Mm -hmm. I, think, I, I, think, I thank God for family. Family support, you know, one of the things that we want to know, what can we do to help the addict nothing? I'm not saying nothing. We can pray for the right, addict. Right. We can lead the addict to the information. We can lead the addict to the help, but it's up to the addict to receive it. So what we do with the children, we love the children. We educate the children. My children love, children are resilient. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I thank God for family. So many children are in the system yeah. based off of addicted parents. Right. And you know, it is... It's really, it's really uh, the work that I do today. I know that it is ordained by God mm -hmm. because I get to watch me every day. I get to watch the broken come in. I get to watch them piece their lives together. Um, one of the things that, that, that we are so hard on someone that is addicted, mm -hmm. but we're not hard on the person that is diabetic. That. So, so. When we get our minds wrapped around this disease concept, mm -hmm. that it is a medical issue, it is a brain issue, and it has been overlooked for so long. Mm -hmm. It is not a moral deficiency. It is not a bad person. Mm -hmm. it are, it's people that won't help, mm -hmm. and then there are some that will die from the disease of addiction. I'm just so grateful. Which my, my brother was. Yeah, I'm so grateful that, that this power that 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 chose to that chose me mm -hmm. to pick me up out of so you asked me um when did I decide to get help mm -hmm. well i didn't decide department of corrections decided for me and so we say thank you we say thank you to the department <laughs> of either you may not have been here and now i'm a part of those people <laughs> And so one of the things is that the jail time right let's talk about the jail time mm -hmm. i look at my jail my my arrest as rescue mm. I look at because how can how can I, th this this power that that works in me and in you and in all of us once it is ignited mm -hmm. loved me enough to hide me mm -hmm. and protect me from myself. I'm so grateful today that even our jails are, are are offering rehabilitation services behind the walls. A lot of people get get sober and clean behind the walls, and they come out and they live productive lives. That was not my story. Right. So so Department of Corrections, based off of me being terminated from Christian County Drug Court, um, because I was not willing. I was not willing to take suggestions. I was not willing to follow simple rules. We come in here defiant. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Addicts are the most defiant, <laughs> educated people. They Amen. know everything. We know everything. But what you will find with with someone that is addicted is that they are the most loving, most creative, most uh, humble individuals mm -hmm. that you will meet. Yes. Uh, uh, the dope don't make us bad people. What happens to us when we put it in, in us is yes. us, that driving force. Yes. That driving force that causes us to commit crimes. The driving force that causes us to leave our children. The driving force that causes us to steal from our parents. The disease of addiction is a bad boy.
right. I need to say that. I am in no way saying, oh, you know, just, just you know, it, it's going to be okay. No, no. Someone that is under the guise of a demonic spirit mm -hmm. is how I look at this. So there are two powers. There's a lower power and there's a higher power. Amen. Okay? Yes. When I serve this lower power, these are the things that go along mm -hmm. with the disease of addiction. Which is usually and negative energy. Ne and, and it really, really it's biblical and it's spiritual <laughs> and it goes back to, mm -hmm. to the end of time. And so one of the things that I get so excited about is when we get to the what happened and, and what are you doing now? Yeah. And so through the Department of Corrections, I was offered um, one last shot. And, and this was a long term treatment. And studies have shown that individuals that go too long term, the longer that you stay in treatment, the better your chances are. Now, nobody wants to go to a facility for nine to 12 months. But family members, I'm here to tell you, mm -hmm. the longer the person, 28 days did not do it for me. I tried that and put a Band-Aid on it for me because I was not ready. Mm -hmm. 28 days work, worked for some people. Right. So I have known people... Uh, individuals that can put it down and walk away and never touch it again. Some people go the Christian route. Some people go the, the church route. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. So there are different avenues to the spiritual path. Yes. The disease of addiction is spiritual in nature. Yes. So the only way to eradicate this is spiritual in nature. It is not religious. And so by God, I, Department of Corrections sent me to Lexington, Kentucky <laughs> on July the 11th of 2006. Mm -hmm. And this is when my journey took off. Wow. Um, I was in abusive relationships that I could not break free from, mm -hmm. you know. And, and, and so by doing the work, uh, because I did not love myself, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, pain and and and. and if you hit me, that means you love me. So mm -hmm. distorted. Yeah. So my, my, my mind had become so distorted. You know, we try to figure out why do they stay? That's kind of another question with our mm -hmm. domestic violence oh, victims. Yes. Why do they stay? The no love itself. Because it's the norm. Why did I continue to use drugs even though it, I was killing myself? Because it was the only thing I had to hold on to that was successful. Mm-hmm until it became unsuccessful. So in 2006, I was uh, introduced to uh, recovery. Mm -hmm. And when I say recovery, I'm saying recovery. Uh, recovery is returning back to our normal state. And it takes time. If it took 22 years of addiction for me to destroy my life, then I can't expect an overnight fix. So yeah. I was introduced yeah. to recovery through the Women's Hope Center. Through the Women's Hope Center. Okay. Yeah, Recover Kentucky. Awesome. Shout out to Stephanie Raglan, mm -hmm. Reverend Stephanie Raglan, who is the assistant director. The Hope Center uh, helped me piece my life together. Mm. Through the Hope Center, I was introduced to a 12-step fellowship that I still today belong to. Oh, cool. Uh, yes, it is a lifelong process. Um, what I found through the Hope Center, I had to uncover the guilt and shame. Mm -hmm. I had to uncover what happened to me. You know, I had to make terms with that death is a part of life. And yes. then the guilt and shame of being a military wife. And I smoked up probably a quarter million dollars in five years. Oh, and then I'm wow. feeling like, oh, my Jesus. God. Yeah. And then I've got to look at my children. And then I, don't, I can't parent because the drugs are getting in the way. What do I do? What do I do? And so getting to the Hope Center was my foundation of uh, the recovery process. Oh, we were, um, oh, shoot, we got just a few minutes late. But um, I want to talk about the physicality of recovery. When okay. you can't get it. Um, we're going to do this when we come back. Because I, I have watched um, my brother go through that several, several times. It was the most painful thing mm -hmm. to watch somebody go through Um when my brother was the alcohol, so he would, um, the sweating, the amount of sweating, mm -hmm. um, the cramps, mm -hmm. um, him crying and begging my mama. The physical allergy. It's just like, and you just, and, and, and it's you, real and, and vomiting. That's the withdrawals you're talking yes, about. Yes. It mm -hmm. was just. And if we can get over <gasps> that part, yes, 
it is devastating to watch. I, I mean, I can see him right now just doing that multiple, multiple times. And I'm just thinking, you just sat there like a month ago and was begging and crying and my mama's crying because she can't do nothing. There's nothing to do. And then you go right back to it. I'm just like, I guess it wasn't enough. You if hadn't... you don't understand it, you don't understand I, it. I, I don't. Well, listen. And we... I'm glad that you don't. <laughs> and those that don't understand, let me shout out. I am so glad that you don't understand. Yeah. Um, one of the things that and we, we can talk about that later. We're, yeah, we're going to talk a little break real quick, and then we'll come back, and, and you can talk about that. Give me one second. All and right. thank you for joining us on Thick and Fabulous with Chantella Whitfield on Radio Lex, WLXU. Back to Thick and Fabulous with Chantella Whitfield on Radio Lex, WLXU 93.9 FM. If you are just joining us, we are um, having a very in-depth conversation with Miss Joanne Goods, and um, we're talking about the journey to addiction, um, to recovery, to, and recovery. Sorry, <laughs> listen, my head is all messed up. This is good. Um, so we left off talking about recovery and withdrawals. Mm -hmm. So you take it from there. So what Chantella was talking about was watching loved ones or someone experiencing uh, withdrawals from a substance. Yes. <clears throat> I need to say that alcohol withdrawals, and I am not a medical doctor. I'm yes, going to put yes. that out there. But one of the things is that the when we talked at the beginning of the segment, mm -hmm. we talked about the physical allergy and the mm -hmm. mental obsession. Mm -hmm. So when my body is used to a substance, mm -hmm. so when this substance is not entering my body, then there is an adverse effect that takes place. Right, right. With alcohol withdrawal, a lot of times hospitalization is necessary. Mm -hmm. Uh there's not really a physical withdrawal from crack cocaine, and it depends on the substance. Really? It depends on the substance. Uh, alcohol, opioid uh, withdrawals are some of your major, and uh, benzodiazepine mm -hmm. withdrawals are some of the uh, um, some of the substances that a medical detox is necessary. Really? Yes. Yes. But not cocaine. No, cocaine is a mental withdrawal. Shut There's no mouth. physical withdrawal from crack cocaine. It is the obsession. Wow. Yes. I did not know that. Now, I'm telling you, I am not a doctor. This oh, is yes. not scientific this, research. Yes. yes. You, <laughs> no, there's no, from meth and phetamine and, and, and crack, there's no physical withdrawal. There is a crash that takes place. Mm -hmm. There is, you know, the uh, fatigue. Mm -hmm. That is, and if you want to call that a withdrawal period, you can. Mm -hmm. But as far as needing hospitalization, no. Mm. One of the things about recovery, recovery is threefold. Mm -hmm. Addiction is threefold. It is mind, it is physical, mm -hmm. mental, and spiritual. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you take a look at it, if I were to draw a diagram, mm -hmm. addiction affects us from the outside in. Mm -hmm. The first thing that goes is the physical appearance. Yes. The next that goes is the, the rational decisions, the mental. Mm -hmm. And then the spirit dies. Mm -hmm. So in order to heal and in order to recover, yeah, it, it from works the from the inside, inside out. out. People need to understand that. That's what... Anything I had to understand. No, that's but so, that's a hard so, to uh, that's a hard thing to understand though. It is. It is. And, and so, to do. It, and it is. And it is. And and a lot of people get it confused with religion. They get it confused with oh they are a cult. No, no. This is spiritual in nature. And whatever path, mm -hmm. there are so many different paths to recovery. There's yoga. There, mm -hmm. there's exercise. Exercise. Is a, yeah. Exercise. Uh, sitting across from you. You know the recovery process. The adrenaline mm -hmm. that you get from working out. Right. Yes. Yes. So that's a replacement. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, what uh, talking about my journey uh, when I got to the Women's Hope Center, I did not want to be there. I did not want to be there because I didn't know what to expect. Mm -hmm. I know what to expect from this life that I've left. Mm -hmm. I know what's going to come down the pike. But when I embark upon this spiritual journey, it is so foreign to me. Mm -hmm. Because for one, where is it going to take me? And you talked about your brother and you mentioned why couldn't he stop? Mm -hmm. Because of the payoff. Mm. 
The payoff is what we do. It is we go to work for the payoff. Yes. Huh? Yes. We are in relationships that are satisfying because That's of the, the payoff. payoff. <laughs> we when we go out and we have a few libations and we having a good time, you know, we clubbing or whatever. It's the I had a good time. I'm mm -hmm. coming on home. Mm -hmm. So when I embark on when I have to give up something. And I don't know what this is going to look like. We talk, we ask why women stay in, or men even stay yes, in yes. abusive relationships because it's the norm. If I break free, I don't know what it feels like right. to not get beat on. I don't know what it feels like not to use a substance every day. Mm. I don't know what this is going to look like, right? Mm. I can remember, and someone asked me, I can remember not having mirrors in my house when I had a home mm -hmm. because I smoked up everything. Mm -hmm. And I can remember not having mirrors in my house. That's something that stuck out to me. I did not have a mirror in my house hmm. because I didn't want to see, see who I had become, Come. right? And so today, when I look in the mirror, who do I see? I don't see the physical. You know, today my walk matches my talk. Mm. And I just, I'm just so grateful for this power that is working in me. Mm -hmm. And so I, I have been chosen. Yes. To, because I never said, you know, what drug addict don't want to be a, a, a counselor, right? <laughs> so that was not the path that I was going to take. I was supposed to be in New York somewhere designing fabulous clothes, but that's coming. You coming, yes. <laughs> but what I found is that this is the path that God has chosen for me. Mm -hmm. So going to the Women's Hope Center, some of the things that I had, I got it. I got the information. Mm -hmm. I received information like those aha moments, like, that's what's wrong with me. Mm-hmm. I can't stop once I get started mm -hmm. because of what happens to me when I put this substance in me, mm -hmm. right? So if I don't start, I don't have to stop. Mm. But I had to put some distance between me and my last use. And that's one of the things that uh, uh, treatment centers, that's one of the things that recovery mm -hmm. uh, uh, uh facilities are awesome for nobody wants to be there but if you can look at it like this mm -hmm. take 28 days start with 28 days at least you know you put in 28 days between you and your last use mm. so i embarked upon this journey of recovery through the women's hope center and and uh i came to lexington july of 2006 mm -hmm. i can remember passing by the castle and I had surrendered many a times. Mm -hmm. I had said those foxhole prayers in jail, like, God, you get me out this time. Uh -huh. I ain't going to do it no more. Mm. Right? But I do truly believe that this surrender, mm -hmm. that I truly, truly in my heart of hearts, I cried out for help. God, mm -hmm. help me. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times that's all it takes. Mm. When I ask for help, help becomes available. Mm -hmm. I thought I wanted help way back. I tried many of times to uh, uh, stop, mm -hmm. but I wasn't really ready. Uh, so how do you know when someone's ready? We don't. Th that's, we yeah. cannot measure someone's level of willingness. But this time, this time around, I truly believe that I was done. And when I passed by the castle, this is a funny story, <laughs> and I share it when I give my lead. Mm -hmm. When I passed by the castle and I said this, I don't know where I'm going. And I don't know what I'm going to, but it's got to be better than from whence I came. That's and the tears started rolling, and I knew that there was, there was something on the other side of this thing for me, mm -hmm. just for me. Recovery's personal. Yes. yes. It is a personal journey. And, and, and I live my life today, a life of recovery, mm -hmm. not a life of perfection. So for those People that have that loved one or that child, mm -hmm. that husband or friend, what can they do to support that 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 loved one in this in this journey of recovery mm -hmm. when they decide, okay, I'm gonna do it. Okay, so I need to say that, and and for those out there that are still in active addiction, I'm going to bust some bubbles. Mm. We are great ones for manipulating the truth, family member. Uh, I can't say don't believe anything we say, mm -hmm. but by any means necessary. And, and it's really hard to watch your loved ones. Yes. They may need that bill paid, and they may have spent their bill money on because I did it. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> you send them to resources. Uh, no is a complete sentence. I need to give a shout out to my mm. best girlfriend, my spiritual advisor, Tracy Robinson, mm -hmm. who has helped me with 
the learning the difference between enabling yes. and supporting. Supporting does not mean that I give you money or I open my home or, yes, you can move in. It doesn't mean that. Mm-hmm. That's enabling. Mm -hmm. Supporting means that if you want me to go to a meeting with you, I am willing to drive you. Mm -hmm. Supporting means like, hey, I have a friend. Are you willing to talk to this person? Mm -hmm. Supporting means, yes, I will be by your side. I will give you money for, give you a bus pass. Sometimes we have to find ways as family members because what the addict endures, Mm -hmm. the family member endures also. And so there are support groups for family members, Mm Al-Anon, Narc-Anon. I suggest that the family member, the family member becomes just as sick as the addict. Yeah. And it's really hard uh, for family members to admit that this is a family disease. Mm -hmm. My mom was queen for that when it got cold. Well, let him on back in. And that's cold outside. And it is. And then there he tearing up the whole house because they'd be stumbling and falling on furniture and breaking in. I'm just like... Under the influence, we do our kind of stuff. <laughs> but I do need to say that Lexington is a recovery community. Mm-hmm. There is help available. There are drop-in centers. There are there are sober living houses. Mm-hmm. There, And it takes just a little bit of willingness. Mm-hmm. It takes... Sometimes it takes a whole lot of willingness. And a lot of times what it takes is a self-appraisal. Mm-hmm. A pros and cons list, simple as that. When the drug stops working, mm-hmm. the addict becomes willing. Mm. Incarceration does not stop us. Family members can't stop us. This power. You know, we can pray for our family members. Mm-hmm. We can uh, find support for ourselves. And, and that's the biggest support that we can give is get educated. Mm-hmm. Get educated on the disease of addiction. Because, like I say, it is not a moral deficiency. Your family member does not want to be in this predicament. Mm. But a lot of times, um, it's the only way to live for them. Right, right. And that's what they know. And we love them. We Mm -hmm. love them unconditionally. We love them to life. When we see a spark of hope, Mm -hmm. or we see just, I know some people have gone to 20 treatment stints. But that 21st one took hold. Anytime your family member says, I'm ready for help, take them, drive them, help them pack a bag, mm-hmm. give them the next. If they leave the next day because a seed is planted, don't give up on your family members. I need to say that. Don't give yeah. up on your loved ones. Don't give up on your girlfriend that, yeah. you know, you know she got a problem. Right, right. right? She ain't ready to talk about it. Right. That's like that girlfriend that. She, you know, she needs to leave him mm-hmm. or her mm-hmm. or get out. But until she's willing, really? we and love them. We love them unconditionally, and there is help available. Today, I have the opportunity to work uh, in recovery. Mm-hmm. It has been not only one of the most awesome journeys that God has me on, but I get the opportunity to really, really help uh, in a way that I never thought that I would. I started my journey, uh, like I said, at the Women's Hope Center, and after completing that program, I was hired on eight weeks after completion. So I worked in nonprofit with women for mm-hmm. nine years at the Women's Hope Center. I worked at the Fayette County Detention Center mm-hmm. uh, as a caseworker. Mm-hmm. Went back to college in, uh, hey. uh, and, and received my bachelor's degree at the age of 51, so it's never you too late. You better do it. So it's never too late because yes. I find that not only did God use this uh, 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 this liability, right? Right. And, and he's turned it into my biggest asset. Yes. So I, I'm willing to talk about it. I'm willing to help. Uh, my job and my recovery are two separate entities. Mm. Okay. I work in recovery, but I still have to treat the disease of addiction. I have yeah. four beautiful granddaughters that will never have to see grandmama high. Ain't that, and so ain't that beautiful? God has given me a do-over. There is life after addiction. Recovery is an awesome journey. And I think we're all in recovery from something. You, that definitely. Get help. Talk about talk it. Talk about That's but the first thing. Give a voice to it. Quit acting like ain't nothing wrong. There's something wrong. Like, <laughs> I mean, there's, there's a limit. There's a thin line between, you know, having your own identity and what's normal. But. If if your normal is hurting you and hurting the people around you, talk about it. 
say it. You know, one of the, one of the biggest things for me is the therapeutic value mm. of having a support network of other recovering addicts. Mm-hmm. So I am no longer, right, I no longer attend meetings because the drug is right at my fingertip because I have some things between that. I have sponsor. So what happens? I want hold on, I wanted to ask this. This just popped up in my head. Sorry, sorry, sorry. All right, come on. What happens when life, for you right for now, me? When, as a recovering addict, uh-huh. what happens to you when life gets hard? Okay. Do, do you know you can't, you don't go back to what you knew, used to do. Exactly. So what do you do now? What do I do now? Well, for me, um, I, I practice recovery daily. Mm-hmm. I wake up in the mornings and I pray and I meditate. Ah. I have a support network. I'm... In my phone, I have my whole contact list uh, pretty much. I have women in Arizona and women and men in Chicago. This is a worldwide fellowship I belong to. Mm-hmm. I attend conventions. I help other women. A lot of times when life shows up mm-hmm. and I'm going through something, mm-hmm. usually when I get outside of myself and help someone else, I get the biggest reward. Mm. And when I say that, what I mean is that I sponsor women. I have women that... Uh, 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 they come to me mm-hmm. for, and, and I don't share uh, what you need to do. All I share is my experience, strength, and hope. Mm-hmm. So pick up the phone and call and talk about it. Sometimes I can get so caught up in life on life, daily grind, like that coworker that I just cannot, right? Mm-hmm. So I have to look at how do I operate in my day-to-day life, mm-hmm. And not pick up a substance. Yes. Prayer and meditation. Mm. I attend 12-step meetings. I have a hobby. Uh, I do physical activity. Mm-hmm. And you know, I have found joy. Mm-hmm. Joy comes from within. I have found so much joy in this life that I live. Right? And so I truly believe that all God wants us to do is to reach back and help our fellow man. Mm. That's all he wants That's from us. It. He don't care about the house we live in. None. I smoked all that up. <laughs> he don't care about the car we drive. I smoked that up too. What he wants for us is to share our experiences and mm-hmm. help someone out. And so today I work for Fayette County Drug Court. Well, mm-hmm. I have a new position now as diversity and inclusion liaison yes. for a statewide program. So that same drug court that terminated me. Mm. Now employees. I am now... And I'm going to tell you, this is how this power works. Listen. God will use yes. the throne away for his yes. glory. Because I can have church up in here. Now. Oh, definitely. And so, you know, I, I stay humble. Mm-hmm. The things that today for me that I have to be mindful of is success. Mm. Uh, okay, so what do I do with this successful business? Mm-hmm. What do I do? Oh, my God, I call my sponsor. And I'm like, look, I'm a little overwhelmed today. Mm. I call my girlfriend. Like, look, I'm a little caught up because my adult children are not doing what I want them to do. So I talk about, it. you know, a lot of times in the African-American home especially, it's like, don't you tell what goes on outside this Girl, home. Girl, what happens in this house stays those are in this house. Those are learned behaviors. Yes. We talk about it. I have uh, I have telehealth on, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, telehealth and, and a mental health uh, a counselor. Honey, I can tap her in anytime. Like, look, I need to talk. I love it. Seek help. Help is available. If you don't know anything else to do, Google it. Yeah. I need help. And I'm telling you. There's all kind of hotlines and everything. So many hotlines because I'm going to say that the person that's out there struggling, I need to talk to that person. The person that's out there struggling or questioning, do I have a problem? There are 12-step meetings all across the city of Lexington. Pull someone to the side that you know is an active member of recovery or even your clergy. Mm-hmm. Talk to your pastor. Talk to someone, a social worker, mm-hmm. and, and just let them know what you're dealing with, you know, because there's help available. Uh, I'm so grateful to be sitting across from you. This is kind of like, ah! I know this is great, I, and I and I have enjoyed your story and your journey, and to learn more about you. Um, thank you for being open and transparent, and helpful, and informative. 
You have you've done it all. Did I cover it? You covered it all, <laughs> honey. Um, and I I thank you. I appreciate you. I honor you. And thank you for joining us on Thick and Fabulous with Chantella Whitfield on Radio Lex WLXU 93.9 FM. Are we done? We're done. Did I do okay? You did awesome. <laughs> Good, because I'm tired. <laughs> Got me all in my feelings. And you crying and stuff. I love it. Get in here, Miss J. You are awesome. Oh, we did it, did we? You did it. I probably sound like a country buff. No, you know. No, you don't. You... Miss Joey. What? Oh, God, I'm so Your glad that's over. I tried not to amazing. obsess over it. Well, y'all, that's my story. That's all I got. That's all I got to give. And it's, a, and it's, it's something to give. And, you know, a lot of people don't understand why people end up the way that they do. Yeah. You know. But in the, the fact that you didn't stay there, that's the only, I think. I could no longer. I couldn't. I couldn't stay there any longer. Makes me happy about all this is that.